Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about praise. Because, you know, praise is not something that you can go to seminary and learn. It's not something you need to have a doctor's degree or a doctorate of divinity or, or any of that stuff. It's just something that you can do every day of your life. You know, have you ever been invited to a, to a birthday party or to uh, some sort of special event, um, an anniversary or uh, a retirement party? And um, most likely, the, when you get invited to something like that, the person that's being honored is someone that you know and care about. And all, and all the people that are coming to celebrate this event also are somebody that you know and that you care about. And when we all get together and, and really celebrate and honor this person, usually what takes place is that the host or the hostess will ask some of the guests to stand up and speak well of that person who's being honored. And that's what praise is. God extended us an invitation to come together and speak well of him. When we praise him, we're just honoring him and thanking him for who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to continue to do in our lives. And so we want to think about that because, again, you know, when you're invited to, uh, to a wonderful event like that, you know, you're bringing honor to that individual. And that's what we do to, with God when we praise him. But there's also victory in praise. When I share with you today about how we've been made winners through Christ, that's every reason to praise And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the highest expression of a Christian life is praising God. Do you believe that? Praise is an important part of a Christian's life because what it does, it draws us closer to God. Praise also helps us to overcome difficult situations. What praise also does, it takes our eyes off our problem and keep our eyes on the solution. So praise, you can say, is an outward expression of our victory. The victory that God has provided for us. Amen. In the Bible, if you read throughout the Bible, you find that God calls us to praise. The scripture, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That means that every living being that has breath, that has a voice, are to praise God. Go with me to Psalm 100. The word of God encourages all of us to praise him. So that's what we should be doing, praising the Lord. In Psalm 100, in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Notice that the writer didn't say, if you have time, will you please enter into, the, uh, into his gates with thanksgiving? Notice that he didn't say, at your convenience, would you please come and enter into the courts of praise? Now he says, will you enter into the courts of praise on the holidays? No, he just came out and says, enter into the courts, enter into the gates. That means that you and I are to, out of, our, out of our own will, step in and enter into the presence of God. Go quickly to Psalm 107. 
We're just going to go through the Bible and just read some verses of scripture tonight. Psalm 107. In verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Sounds like the writer was encouraging men to praise the Lord because it doesn't seem like there were enough men to praise him. And he says, all that men, all that people will come and praise the Lord. Now go quickly to 117 Psalms. Psalm 117. And in verse 1 it says, Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations, and praise him, all you people. How many people we have here today? He's talking about you. It says, praise the Lord, all you nations, and all of you people, praise him. So there is a call for the church to praise the Lord. There's also a call to the church to live a life of praise. Go with me to Psalm 119. And when you find Psalm 119, I want you to do this. Find it and hold your finger there. Then I want you to turn to Psalm 55. We're going to take a, a, a glimpse of, of David because he was a perfect example of praise. A man who lived the life of praise. Psalm 119, and when you find Psalm 119, hold your finger there and then go to Psalm 55. Have you found it? Okay, we're in Psalm 55, right? Listen, we're going to get a glimpse of David's prayer life. It says in verse 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Now that's pretty impressive. David praying three times a day. He's a man that the Bible calls as a man after God's own heart. And we see why. He's a man who's always seeking God's face. So it's pretty impressive that David was a praying man. But it's also interesting because in Psalm 119, why don't you go there and take a glimpse of David's life as a praise man. Psalm 119 and verse 164. He said, seven times a day, Do I praise thee because of your righteous judgment? Now, isn't that interesting that David prays three times a day, but yet he praises God seven times a day. Now, that doesn't mean that prayer is not important. Prayer is important. The Bible says that we are always to pray and not faint. And that we are to pray without ceasing. So prayer is important. But David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, acknowledges the importance of praise. Because someone said that prayer is warfare. Praise is victory. Amen. So David prayed three times a day, and he praised seven times a day. So we can see that David had a wonderful praise life. Go to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. By the end of this service, you're all going to be Bible scholars. 
Praise the Lord. You're going to know every scripture in this Bible. Psalm 146, beginning in verse 1. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord, what? All my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Now that sounds like a man who's determined to praise him every day of his life for as long as he has breath. Go to Psalm 104. And again, there's so many verses of scripture, but we just don't have the time to really get into it all. Psalm 104 and verse 33. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. And in Psalm 63 and verse 4, you don't have to go there. That's Psalm 63 and verse 4. So I will bless you as long as I live and I will lift up my hands in your name. So we see an example of what it means to live a life of praise. It's a person who's determined to live every day of their lives praising the Lord. And what makes praise so effective is that it is an act of our own will. Because let's face it, there are times when you and I are just not going to feel like praising him. There are going to be days when you're so much in pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. There are going to be times when you're so depressed that you just don't want to praise him. There are going to be times when you're just filled with stress and and frustrated and angry to praise him. There are times when you're just going to lose sleep and cry at night and, and, and just worry and be afraid of some of the things that are going on in your life. And you just can't seem to muster anything from within to praise him. But what makes praise effective is just a matter of acting out of your own will. It's a decision that you make every day of your life. And we're going to see some examples here. And you know, the thing is that, and I want you to go to Psalm 42. But how can you praise him under those type of conditions? And you know what I'm talking about. We we all have our struggles and we've all gone through some things and probably still going through some, some things now. But how can we praise God under those conditions? How can we speak praises unto the Lord when we just don't feel like praising Him? These are just questions that many believers struggle with each day. When they're going through their stress and and the pressures of life are affecting them. But this is what Psalm 42 and verse 5 says. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him. Now, the the writer who wrote this was referring to himself. And he asked himself, why am I downcast? Why am I so disturbed within me? You know, I think sometimes we need to talk to ourselves. We need to just look at ourselves in the mirror and say, why are you so downcast? Why are you just having a pity party? Get up and go praise him. That's what we have to do. Because it's a matter of decision. He says, I will praise him. See, another example. Go to Psalm uh, Psalm 35. Psalm 35. There's victory in praise. Hallelujah. In verse 18, it says, look how he starts out. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. 
I will praise thee among much people. Go to Psalm 118. Hallelujah. Psalm 118 and verse 28 says, Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Again, we have these writers who are determined to praise the Lord out of their own will, regardless of what they're facing. Hebrews 2.12 says, you don't need to turn there. I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise to thee. Now I want you to go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah chapter 61. This is an interesting passage of scripture. It's a pretty uh, familiar passage of scripture. Chapter 61 of Isaiah. Beginning in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Uh, let me stop there. Now, this passage of scripture is pretty familiar. Where did you heard this from? Where do we hear this verse of scripture? From the book of Luke, Jesus quoted this very same verse from the book of uh, uh, Isaiah. In Luke 18, after Jesus was baptized and after he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and having filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, went into the synagogue and picked up the book and began to read out of the book of, of Isaiah and read this exact passage of scripture, which is in reference to himself. It is a prophecy of his ministry. And it, and it goes on to say that Jesus was sent and anointed to do these things that we've just read. And then it goes on in verse 3, and it says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning. Let me stop there. In the Old Testament, uh, it was part of Jewish custom that when, they're, that when they were suffering uh, or going through some national crisis or personal crisis, that they would tear off their clothes and put on sackcloth, which is sort of a rough material. And then they would pour their heads with ashes and they, would, and they wouldn't bathe for days, and they would just mourn for days. And what the, the prophet Isaiah was saying was that one day there's going to be a Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to change all of that. He said he's going to change the mourning with oil of joy. He's going to replace the ashes with beauty. And then he goes on to say, and he's going to take away the spirit of heaviness, and replace it with a garment of praise. Now, there are some believers who seem to want to hold on to that spirit of heaviness and refuse to wear the garment of praise. When the garment of praise was specifically given to us in place of the spirit of heaviness. Because God does not want us to deal with that kind of, he doesn't want us to be in that, that place where we're filled with heaviness and, and filled with sadness and mourning. No, he's come to replace that with the oil of gladness, with beauty, and with the garment of praise. And so, to wear the garment of praise means to live a life 
praising him in the midst of whatever you're going through. And you know, for me, I would rather wear a garment of praise because it goes well with my shoes. Praise the Lord. And I think I got a tie for it too. But that's what God had provided us through his son. So we're to wear the garment of praise all the time. So we have to make a choice. It's an act of our will to praise him even when we don't feel like praising him. So there is purpose in praise. And of course the main purpose of praise is to adore God. To tell him how much you love him. To honor him. And you know, it's not like God is an egomaniac where he needs to hear us tell him how good he is and how mighty he is. But he desires our praise. He desires us for us to tell him how much we love him. You know, you, you know many of you are parents here, you know, um, we love to hear our children tell us how much they love us. Not that we need to hear it, but it's nice to hear that. It's nice to hear our children tell us, Mom, Dad, we appreciate you so much. Man, you work so hard to put us through school and do all these things. We appreciate that. You know, it's just a natural um, a desire to want to hear that. God desires our praise. But there's another purpose to praise. Praise elevates us into God's presence and power. Praise brings God into our environment. Do you believe that? In Psalm 22 and verse 3, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. The word inhabit means to sit down. But it's more than just sitting down. It means to stay and to remain and to settle. So picture this. Picture yourself praising the Lord. And you're praising him and you're entering into this praise. And then God takes his throne and begins to sit it down in front of you. And sits down. And just settles there and just remains and just basks in your praise. Hallelujah. And this is what God does. It, when we praise him, it ushers in the Lord into our presence. And it brings him into our environment. Glory to God. In other words, when God dwells and settles in the atmosphere that we create... Through praise. We create that. You know, it's, it, it, again, it's the beauty about this is the fact that you can do this every day. You can praise him. You know, you don't have to come to church to praise him. You know, don't make the mistake of limiting your praise in just one place. Because then what happens is that you lose the attitude of praise when you leave here. And thinking that the only time you can come praise is when you come to church. Or when you go to the connect groups. Well, you can praise God every day. You can create an environment where God can sit down and settle in and bask in your praise. Hallelujah. God's presence provides help and also provides hope. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. His presence provides hope and his presence also provides help. When God comes, things change. Acts chapter 16, and uh, we're going to take a look at the story of Paul and Silas. I love this story. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 22. It says, the crowd rose up together against them 
And the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, the, according to Jewish law, when, whenever a criminal is beaten, they never exceed 39 stripes. That's just part of Jewish law. However, under the Roman government... There is no such limitations. They'll beat them until they decide, okay, we're tired. We're tired of beating them. It's, it, there's no limit or restriction to their laws. So it, it would be safe to assume that Paul and Silas were beaten severely, probably more than 39 times. And as that they were beaten, they were also put in stocks. Now, it's interesting because these stocks were made for two reasons. Number one is to retain them. And number two, to torture them. Because those thoughts were put on their feet in such a way that it became so uncomfortable that it caused pain and cramps in their feet and in their legs. And they couldn't even sit down. They became immobile to the point where the only way they can do it is to lie down. And keep in mind that their backs are scarred with, with, with stripes. And, and I want to paint a picture because this is the condition that they had suffered. And so they were in the prison, beaten in excruciating pain, uncomfortable, cramps in their legs, almost to the point of being unbearable. But in verse 25, but about the midnight hour, Paul and Silas, in much pain, bleeding, wounds were untended, cramps going up and down their legs, painful, were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all of the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were unfastened. So we see three things unfold here in this story. Number one, God was drawn to their praise. And came into their environment. Second thing we find is that his presence provided help and hope to them. And the third thing that we see is that God came and things changed. Glory to God. Understand that Paul and Silas had every reason to cry, to moan, and to complain, to feel unjustified, to feel mistreated. To have us just a pity party. But they made a decision. Out of their own will, they began to praise him. You see, they learned a secret. They learned to lift up their hearts above and beyond their circumstances. Because they knew and believed God. They knew that God was much greater than their situation. They believed that God was much greater than the wounds that they suffered on their backs. And so they were able to muster enough strength to sing and to praise the Lord and to sing hymns. And all that did was bring God into the, into the atmosphere, into that environment. In other words, they had a, a praise and worship service in jail. So through praise and worship, their hearts were raised into a joyous presence and peace of God. 
It also provided God a channel for him to usher in his power to operate in the circumstances and change things around. And of course, you know the story. They were loosed. They were delivered. Not only that, but God also provided salvation for the jailer and his family. And also on top of all that, provided free medical care for Paul and Silas. Because the jailer began to treat them. So when God comes on the scene, he changes things. But that only happens when we praise him. So the Bible even tells us how often we are to praise and when is the best time to praise. Paul and Silas chose the best time to praise him was in jail. In the middle of a situation, he decided that's the time to praise him. The most highest praise is when you praise him during circumstances. In your most difficult time, that's the best time to praise. It's called the sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice is exactly that. Because through pain and through suffering, they were able to sacrifice their own feelings, overlook their own pain and suffering, just for the purpose of praising Him. Because you know, they understood what praise does. They understood that praise bring God into the scene. And they know that God changes things on their behalf. Praise is to be a lifestyle, whether you're in jail, whether you're at home, whether you're in work, whether you're in your car, no matter where you are, praise should be a lifestyle. We are not to stop praises. Psalm 34 and 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth, or be constant in my mouth. Psalm 71 and verse 8 says, Let my mouth be filled with praise and with your honor all the day. You know, I picture this. You know, you're driving to work. And all of a sudden, you blow a tire. You pull off to the side of the road. You go into the back and get your donut. And realize your donut is no good. So you're stranded on the highway with no tire. What do you do? You're having a good day. You get up in the morning. You, you've got a good day ahead of you. you. Your wife makes a wonderful breakfast. You, 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 you have a cup of coffee out of McDonald's. It's made perfect just the way you like it. Then you blow a tire. Is that when you stop praising him? No, that's when you begin praising him even more. You see, the praises should always be constantly coming out of your mouth, no matter what you're going through. So yeah, if you blow a tire, okay, I'm going to just change my tire. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Put that in and, you know, put that out and just go on away. And, you know, the McDonald lady gives you a copy, spills all over you. I say, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow and thank the Lord Jesus. Because his praise will continually be in my mouth. My mouth will be filled with his praise. It's not, I'm not going to let my mouth talk anything negative. It's going to come out Praise. Go to Psalm uh, 71. Psalm 71. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and in verse 14, listen to what the psalmist says. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Oh, hallelujah. I love that. 
Psalm 44 and 8 says, In God we boast all the day long and praise your name forever. So what we're seeing here is that we are to praise him all day, every day, forever. Forever means without end. Continuously, constant. The more difficult my situation, the more I will continue to hope in God and the more I will praise him more and more. There's victory in praise. Praise, would you, you could say that praise is the vehicle of faith. And I said that one of the things that make praise uh, effective is that when you do it out of your own will. As an act of your own will. Another thing that makes praise so effective is that it's an act of your faith. Anytime you act out of your will to do something for God, it's also an act of faith. So those are the two things that help make praise effective. Because we know that God can work miraculous things. We saw that in Joshua, where God was able to crumble uh, or, or take down the, the walls of Jericho. All because of shouts of praise. Go to Psalm 106. What can you do if you have difficulty maintaining a life of praise? And let's face it, we have many believers who have difficulties trying to maintain a lifestyle of praise. But what do you do? In Psalm 106, it says this in verse 12. Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. Let me say that again. Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. In other words, this was a story about the children of Israel and how God had delivered them through the Red Sea and how God was able to protect them from the enemy. And, and when the Bible says, when, and when they saw that, they believed. And after they believed, they sang praise. This was the condition of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They believed and they sang praise. So praise is the vehicle of faith which brings us into the presence of God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he exists. So when you believe something, when you believe God, you will praise. When you look and when you think about Paul and Silas, understand that there was something that they believed that was far greater than their situation and their circumstances. Not knowing what their future would hold for them, but they weren't even thinking about that. All they knew that they believed God, and so they were able to sing praises. And because when they sang praises, God came into the scene and changed the situation. There's victory in praise, friends. Listen, Paul and Silas were arrested and beaten publicly. They were humiliated. They were wrongly mistreated. They were wrongly, unjustifiably mistreated, bleeding and in much pain. Yet, you wonder, you think about yourselves, think about your current situation. How can you find joy in that? How can you find a song through all of that? 
Have you asked yourself that question? How can I feel joyful? How can I sing song when things are going wrong? Let me ask you something. Do you believe God? Yes. Let me ask you again. Do you believe God? Yes. Then you have a reason to sing. Yes. You have a reason to praise. Yes. Simply because you believe God. Yes. And understand that because you believe God, He's much greater than anything you could ever face in life. You just have to believe that. You just have to trust God enough to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to praise you and I'm going to offer up praise. I'm going to sing songs of praise constantly and continuously, no matter what, until my circumstances change. That's just a determination that you're just going to have to have. You're just going to be determined and you've got to be dog determined to say, I'm going to praise him anyhow, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what people have said to me, no matter what's facing, no matter what deadline I'm put in front of me, I'm going to praise him anyway because I believe that as I praise him, God's going to come into my environment and begin to change some things in my life. You just have to believe that. Do you believe that? The Bible tells us to magnify the Lord. Psalm 34 and verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What happens when something is magnified? Well, when you take a magnifying glass and you, let's say you're looking at a spider. When you're looking through that magnifying glass, that magnifying glass makes that spider appear bigger than what it really is. So in my eyes, it seems a lot bigger than what it really is, but it's not. But yet the Bible says to magnify the Lord. Now, how can we make God bigger than he, what he already is? He's already big. The Bible says he fills the, the, uh, the eternity he fills the universe. He's larger than life. But how can you magnify a God that's already big? Well, when you magnify the Lord, you're not magnifying to make him big. You're magnifying God to make him big in your eyes. You see, we need to do that. We need to remind ourselves how big God is. You know, there are some people that like to magnify their stories. Make it appear bigger than what it really is. It's called exaggeration. Some people like to call it a lie. But you, you can't exaggerate God. He's big. He's already there. But the key is that when we magnify something, it looks bigger to us. So when we enter into praise, we're putting our, our, on our praise lens. And we're looking at God for who he really is. Awesome and great and big. How many of you have ever entered into church feeling like God is small and distant? And then you leave church feeling as though God is big and closer. See, that's what praise does. When you enter into the sanctuary, let let me show you. Go to uh, Psalm 73. When you're praising and magnifying the Lord, it's like putting on a praise lens and seeing God for who he really is. And then suddenly, 
your situation becomes that much smaller. God becomes that much bigger. And you realize, man, thank the Lord. And you know, I know there are many people who come to church feeling as though God is just so small and God is so distant and because he's not answering my prayers and everything. You know, how many of you feel like that? How many of you have ever felt that way? Okay, you don't have to raise your hands. But you know what? You're not alone. Because David felt the same way. In Psalm 22 and verse 1, listen to what David said. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groanings. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer me. And by night I have no rest. How many have you ever prayed that prayer before? But see, that was David when he was being uh, chased by King Saul all over creation. And he was hiding in caves. And, it, and at that point of his life, he felt that God was small and distant. Look at uh, Psalm 73. If you're already there, I'm not. In the first 16 verses, we find that the writer is becoming very bitter about his present situation. He's becoming envious of the wicked because they're prospering. And here he is struggling in life. And yet he's doing everything that he's supposed to do. You know, he's living right, he's doing right, he's doing everything that he's supposed to do, yet he sees all of these people doing bad things, doing wicked things, and yet they're prospering. And it got to a point where he started becoming bitter and envious, to the point where he almost loses his faith in God. And in verse 17, something changes. Look at verse 17. Well, let's, let's look at verse uh, 15. It says, If I had said I will speak thus, behold... I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, I was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. When he entered into the sanctuary, feeling all bitter and feeling envious and losing his faith in God, something happened when he entered into the sanctuary. His whole perspective changed because now he began to see, well, wait a minute. The, the end of the wicked is not good. And he changed his whole personality. He changed his whole perspective of things. Why is that? When we enter into the church, into the sanctuary, and we enter into praise, our whole perspective changes. As I said before, we can come into the church feeling down, feeling uh, angry about things, or feeling depressed. But when we enter into praise... We forget all those problems. God becomes bigger. And all of a sudden we see that the problems are not as big as we thought it is. Why? Because we realize that God is much bigger than my problem. We begin to see God for who he really is. And that's what praise does. And the thing is that when you come in and praise the Lord. See, that's why it's so important not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together. That's why it's so important to come into the sanctuary and really enter into praise. Because praise was not meant to be a spectator uh, thing, but something to be a participator of. Because we need to come in and enter in. Because listen, not all of us come in all, all full of fire to church. But when we enter into the presence of God and we just begin to offer up the sacrifice of praise. And you think about what Paul and Silas went through. And out of, the act, out, of, out of your own will, 
in, in just a step of faith. He says, Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't feel like praising you. I feel depressed. I'm thinking about my bills. I'm thinking of my, my house. I'm thinking about my health. I'm doing all these things. My marriage is in the rocks. And Lord, I don't know what to do, but Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm just going to make a decision to praise you and I'm just going to take a step of faith and I'm just going to focus on you. And you know what? As you enter into praise and you begin to see God for who he really is, all of a sudden your problem is not that big. Amen. And then when you leave the church, you realize you have this hope because God is, 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 you know that God's going to help. You know that God's going to come into scene and help you and minister to you. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks in all things, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God even the Father. Now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Beginning verse 18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, we read two verses here. In Ephesians 5, in the last part of Ephesians, of verse 20, it says, always giving thanks in all things. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 18, it starts out by saying, in everything, give thanks. The toughest word in this verse is the word in. The hardest time to give thanks to the Lord is when you find yourself in something. It's when you find yourself in difficulties. But the Bible says that in those difficulties, in those trials, in that pain, in that depression, in that stress, thank the Lord anyway. So we are to give thanks in every circumstances. That's a command from God. It's not a question, that's not a suggestion, it's not a consideration, it's a command. We are to thank Him in all things. Let me share this story here and I'm going to end a little early though. There was this uh, woman and her husband who heard a speaker share this message about how they needed to praise God and thank God for everything in their lives. Especially the difficult things. So as they were going home, they said, well, the most difficult things in our lives is our son. 
You see, they had a 17-year-old son. And this 17-year-old son gave him the hardest time. He was disrespectful, rebellious, disobedient. I mean, he was just an angry kid. He was, he, he, he was hard on his dad. He gave his mother a hard time. He even gave his brother and sisters a hard time. And you know, like these good parents, they did everything they possibly can to try to get him straightened out. And nothing worked. So for the first time, they decided to praise and thank the Lord. And that's what they did. They said, Lord, I thank you for my son. And Lord, I praise you for my son. And as they drove into the driveway that night, you know, their son was home alone. Uh, And as they pulled into the driveway, they noticed that all the lights in the house were on. Now, if you pay the bills and you see all the lights in your house on, you can only imagine what the father was thinking. But before they can utter a negative word about their son, they, begin, they said this, Lord, I thank you for my son. And Lord, I praise you for my son. And so they got out of the car and they went inside the house and went into the kitchen. And lo and behold, they saw a mess in the kitchen. A huge mess. We're not just talking about a little mess. We're talking about a big mess. Coke cans were on the counter. Mustard and mayonnaise were left out on the counter. Sandwich meat were left out there as well. There was chips and cookies there. And the ice tray were on the table. You had the dishes piled up high in the, in, in the sink. And I, it was just a mess. And ladies, I know how you think about your, your kitchen. And you can imagine what the mother was thinking when she saw this mess in her kitchen. But before they can utter a negative word about their son, they said this, Lord, I praise you, my son. I praise you for my son. And I thank you for my son. And as they got out of the disaster zone called the kitchen, they entered into the family room only to enter into another disaster zone, which was far worse because they looked and the TV was still on. A half-eaten sandwich on the table. He had crumbs and chips and cookies all over the place. half drank Coke cans and paper strewn all over the place. That's, that's enough to drive anybody crazy. But before they can utter a negative word about their son, they said this, Lord, I thank you for my son. And Lord, I praise you for my son. And you know, they continued doing this all day, the rest of the day, and the next day, and the next day. Then one Sunday afternoon, they were in their bedroom, and they heard a knock on the door. And it was the son. He says, Mom, Dad, can I come in? I need to talk to you. He says, sure, son, come on in. And the son, he started talking to his, to his mom and dad. He said, Mom, Dad, I know that I've been angry, miserable, and just frustrated. And I've been like that for as long as I can remember. But I didn't want to take it on on my friends because they're my friends. I need my friends. I want to be nice to my friends. And I didn't want to take it on on my teacher because I... I need to pass my course, so I need to have a halfway decent grade. But then I started thinking and realized that I was taking it out on my family. And I wanted just to tell you that I'm not doing that anymore. And you know, when you hear that story, you realize 
what praise does. Because you have an angry child who's giving their parents a hard time, who's disrespectful, who's very selfish, who, who just was very inconsiderate. And you know what? They could have said a lot of things. They could have told him, you, you, you know, you can't live here anymore. You know, you're no good. You know, you're selfish. You're inconsiderate. You, what's wrong with you? They made a decision. They weren't going to be moved by the circumstances. They weren't going to be moved by his selfishness. They weren't going to be moved by the mess that they saw. They made a decision to thank God for their son and to praise God for their son. And because they did that and they continuously did that consistently, their son changed. Just like that. And so I want to tell you tonight that don't take praise for granted. Praise will bring God into the scene and he will change your situation. Because God inhabits our praises. He sits down and he basks in our praise. And when he sits, things happen. When he's in our presence, things happen. He changes things. And so I want to encourage you. Because I know there are many of you here tonight that are going through some stuff. Perhaps maybe you are having children that are difficult at home. Perhaps you've already reached a point in your life where you just can't take it anymore. You don't know what else to do. Maybe you haven't struggled in your marriage. Maybe you haven't struggled in your health. Maybe you haven't struggled in your job. I don't know what it is. But what I want you to do is this. Do me this favor. This is your homework. Before you utter anything negative out of your mouth. Before you say anything that's contrary to God's word. I want you to just say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, and I praise you. Lord, I thank you for my marriage. And Lord, I praise you for my marriage. Lord, I thank you for my son. And Lord, I praise you for my son. Lord, I thank you for my finances. And Lord, I praise you for my finances. Lord, I thank you for my health. And Lord, I praise you for my health. Very simple words. That's all you need to do. And then do it on a consistent basis. When you find yourself about to say something negative, hold your tongue. And let the praises come forth. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times, in every situation. That's exactly what it's talking about, in every situation. It wasn't very specific, it says at all times. All times is all times. Good times, bad times, medium times. But God wants us to have a lifestyle of praise. He wants us to get up in the morning and begin to praise Him. When we're going through a bad day, he wants us to praise him. When we stub our toe in the corner, he wants us to praise him. When your boss hollers at you and screams at you and accuses you of something uh, that you didn't do, you're going to walk away praising him. Because you see, praise brings God into the scene. So the boss is not mad at you. He's mad at, you, at God too. He messes with you. He's messing with God. So think about this, pray about this, and, and, and just praise him. When you leave home tonight, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Praise the Lord. All right, praise the Lord. Amen.